Welcome to Sit Down with Sky and Preston. I'm Skylar. And I'm Preston. And we're here to discuss difficult or controversial topics while standing up for the principles taught in The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We're not experts or historians, but we hope our life experiences and insight will be helpful for anyone who's doubting their faith or struggling to know how to stand up for the gospel in a fallen world. All of the views expressed are our own, and they don't represent the church as a whole. We'll have weekly episodes every Tuesday with the both of us discussing various topics. And then every other Thursday, I will interview individuals or couples with relevant life experience. Uh, If you think what we're doing is important, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or like and follow us wherever you're listening. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to today's episode. Today on another episode of Sit Down with Sky and Preston, we are going to try to keep it together. (laughs) Inner peace. That is the goal of the podcast today as we discuss the um the reaction to elder holland's comments um this week and then you know the actual speech and the heart of his message (laughs) so yeah we'll go over the reaction and then actually what he said so yeah um yeah let's we uh, we always talk about how we have the podcast before and then we kind of reel it in for the actual podcast like while we're preparing but this one might be a little bit more raw. We'll see. <laughs> We've gotten some jitters out. We, but some of, yeah, got, got our wiggles out for the most part. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's just kind of jump into it. Um, Elder Holland, what a yeah. good guy. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, we talked about this beforehand of like, I feel like, I can kind of lead out here because I've met him a few times. I mean, that's public information. Uh, Talked about me and my mom in a conference talk. So, like, I've had occasion to talk to him about some life experiences. And I just, I just want it clear that, like, he's a good man. And I have not met a more loving person. Um, The type of person who treats a complete stranger like their best, most cherished friend. Like, he was just absolutely a loving person. And it it was just fun to see that displayed in his presentation this week um, at BYU. He was so full of love and emotion and compassion. and, And I know that he really does weep for us. I've been privileged to, uh, see and hear of it on a more personal level but again i know that these topics are like near and dear to his heart well what do you well like what do you feel comfortable sharing about that whole experience because i think it's just like when when you think of a parallel it's just like the parallel of parallels it's just such a um i'm sure frustrating or i don't want to put words in your mouth but just having these two contrasting experiences of seeing how the public um, misinterprets what he says and exaggerates and misconstrues. And then a personal experience with him where it was so, it, it was just so different. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. What do you com- feel comfortable sharing about that whole thing? Well, first, just like the idea of it is it's it's not new for people when they disagree with somebody to just want to absolutely cancel them. And it's just tragic because you're like, you don't know them like (laughs) you took one comment that they said way out of context and now you hate them and it's like you've Mm -hmm. never even met them like you don't know what they're actually like but for those who like haven't heard it before it's just his son was my bishop and he my dad was the bishop before his son so it's like i went from like adolescence where my dad was the bishop into teenage high school mission where his son was the bishop and but his son was in the ward for that whole time. So like he would come visit and like my dad was the bishop at the time and he'd come to the ward for like family events involving his son and their family. And so, I mean, we would meet on occasion and he remembers names too. Elder Holland is so good at remembering names. That always impresses me because I'm so bad at it that when people remember my name, it like shocks me and just (laughs) makes me feel like they're a better person than I am. just well <laughs> off the bat but he, he'll remember it's like he he didn't like he but he would remember names he would remember names when he'd come to visit the ward and it was just so so 
cool. And again, it's so endearing and individual that he was in his interactions. And then, of course, like all the like crap that happened on my mission and all the fallout afterward. I didn't ask for it, but his son was like, hey, can I talk to my dad about this? Can I get this, get him kind of involved in this? And so Elder Holland wanted to meet with me to talk about my mission experience and whatnot. And so I met with him in Salt Lake and we talked about just sorry, sorry to interrupt here. Just mm-hmm. to, I, um, um, just to, I guess for our, those listeners who might not be familiar with your story, um, what what of your mission do you feel comfortable sharing? I think like the the short of it is I was sexually abused and emotionally abused by one of my companions on my mission. So I came home early and was a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> I can um, imagine. Yeah. And so when I met with Elder Holland, my attitude at the time was, I hate people and I want to live under a rock, but like the church is still true. And so like we had a very interesting conversation, which again, I don't think the details are important necessarily for this podcast that we're recording right now. So if people want the details, they can refer to some other um, media where I've recorded that story. And you can l- listen to Elder Holland's talk. Behold what is Thy that Mother. Talk? It's called Behold Thy Mother. And it was from October 2015. Okay. So if, if people want to hear more about that, like they can go look that up. And I'll, I'll link it in the, the, the podcast description as well. Mm. But the gist of it was he was just absolutely loving. And it was absolutely infuriating because I was actually really <laughs> mad at him the whole time I was there. Um, but I was mad at him because he was so nice and because I was so not ready to heal i didn't i didn't want to heal i didn't want to hear truth i didn't want to i was just angry and i just wanted to be angry and so but but what i took away from it was just that man loves and like he is a witness of christ like i walked away feeling so empowered to make my own decisions um because he gave me choices that were very clear and Mm -hmm. it was it was again i I don't want to get into the details but again he was an amazing person and i I know him and that's why it's well I don't know him personally it's not like I grew up with him or whatever but again every interaction I've had with him has been beautiful and that's why like this week has just been infuriating in ways because I've seen his character decried and it's like you don't know him Um, you're mad that he said one thing that all the apostles talk about but you're just mad that he said it and I don't know. It's just it's just been really tragic for me to see people absolutely hate on this man who exemplifies Christ-like love so well. Yeah, and just essentially just reiterated what we've always held on to, what our doctrine has always been. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I think of the apostles, and I think especially Elder Holland, um, this scripture always comes to mind. And doctrine and covenants. Um, looks like 121. Mm-hmm. My phone will reload. Good timing. Oh, well, it's gone. Great. Why don't you talk for a second and I'm going to find that again. <laughs> DNC 121. This is where Joseph Smith's taught how you use the power of God. Yes. Okay. I have it pulled back up here. So this is DNC 121 43. Um, so this is kind of, I'm jumping in the, the middle of it a little bit because I think we're mostly familiar with it, most people. Um, so reproving be times with sharpness when moved upon by the Holy Ghost and then showing forth afterward an increase of love toward him whom thou hast reproved, lest he esteem thee to be his enemy. So just what a what a perfect example of that that we've witnessed. It's, mm-hmm. It was a, a sharp rebuke in a way. Um, he, he rebuked by the spirit. He, he said some things that were hard to hear, but that we needed to hear. Um, and he did it very clearly, very directly, um, but with so much love. Mm -hmm. And that is the part of it that is being left out in, in all of the, um, recaps or articles written about, um, this whole, this whole thing is, um, the love that was so obvious in his message are it's completely non-existent in all yeah. of these things. And you look at the timestamp, it's like what, 29, 30 minutes long. The part that everybody's freaking out about was like maybe a third of that. It was about eight minutes of it that he was talking about this. Mm-hmm. The whole rest was again, sandwiched with love and encouragement and positivity of what good is com- happening on BYU campus and whatnot. And, yeah, but 
yeah over emphasis on the like smaller portion where he did need to correct some things that were awry yeah um and just like i I think this is just a perfect character characterization of what an apostle is for and kind of a a litmus test as to (laughs) this is gonna be a little harsh but you know which members um are gonna be comfortable moving forward as these truths don't change Mm -hmm. but our culture will continue to change yeah well, and you think about like, okay, what's the purpose of an apostle? What's their job as an apostle? They're to be a special witness of Jesus Christ. And they're supposed to preach repentance. They're supposed to do what Christ would do if he was here. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good indication of how you feel about Jesus Christ, how you treat and regard the teachings of the apostles. Like mm-hmm. the, the whole purpose of their calling is to do and say what Christ would do if he was here. And so... Yeah, again, it's just interesting yeah. to watch people react to an apostle teaching truth and kind of rebuking this church's school <laughs> and like some of the things that have been going on there lately. Rightly so, I think. Um, I w- w- Like looking at his actual message of what he said, I think the reaction that I've seen um, and the overreaction, I'm going to say, um, I think the jumping off point has been him specifically not even like by name but mentioning um the student matt um i forget his last name who in his valedictorian speech um came out as gay and so so that's kind of been the jumping off point to then turn around and criticize everything more broadly um and we were talking earlier that's I can understand and I can kind of sympathize with um, a little bit of the shock at him being so direct and calling out a specific event event that happened. But that's not the first time that's happened. Like we, with the whole ordained woman, ordained women um, situation, they were very direct about calling out that whole movement and that idea. And who's behind that idea? Well, there's an individual, Kate Kelly. They didn't call him out, her out by name, but it's just you know an example of that happening recently. Yeah, they don't have to name them by name. They they talk about what's true and what's right, and people who are paying attention to what's been going on are like, oh, that's direct reference yeah. to a recent event. <laughs> yeah, it's. They, they don't have to call names. They just need to declare truth mm-hmm. and, and point out like, hey, this is mistruth. And yeah. people who are with the times and paying attention to like recent events, they'll know like, oh, wait, that just happened, mm-hmm. didn't it? And I have to say, if uh, an apostle called me out personally, I might reconsider a lot of my life choices, I think, and mm-hmm. reconsider my priorities and... If, if I, it kind of all comes down to if we, you know, if you have a testimony of God, of this church, that it is Christ's church on earth, there's got, there's that domino effect where if you, if you believe that you believe that these are men called of God. And so, yes, they do make mistakes, but nothing so drastic to where you would be better off ignoring them or criticizing them rather than heeding their counsel. Yeah. Well, and this is actually something that we disagreed on when we were putting our heads together before recording is uh, that was actually one of my favorite parts of the time. Well, not favorite parts, but it was the part where I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. Again, he's filling, fulfilling his role as an apostle. He's calling out something that happened at a church institution by an individual who was using a church microphone at a public event that was meant to represent the institution and the student body. And... That's why I was like, good, he's allowed to use that same microphone at the same institution to (laughs) clap back as an apostle and say, no, that's not right. Like you're cheapening the experience of this event if you make it about personal agendas and whatnot Mm -hmm. that don't reflect the teachings of the institution or the student body at large. Yeah, we we definitely agreed that it was it was at the very most, at the very least, an inappropriate situation to bring that up to make it you know about yourself um because we i mean 
some being gay is something that has carried a lot of shame with it um, for a lot of people and we don't want to exacerbate that that shame we want to be able to you know be open about our sexuality if we want to and not feel shame about it but at the same time um, we don't need to overcorrect and feel a sense of pride with our sexuality it doesn't have to slingshot the other way Mm -hmm. and i mean this kind of goes back to what we've talked about before it's just tragic when people center their identity Mm -hmm. on this i mean and again i i understand if if you center your identity on this then yeah every time this topic comes up in church it's going to feel like a personal attack yeah that's why we're taught not to center our our identity on sexuality like it's not a safe healthy way to self-identify and and i think just with this whole experience it's my i don't know I, i go back and forth between being shocked but not shocked at just how overblown the reaction was Mm. you know because this isn't like we like we said we we've heard this before this is this isn't new doctrine this isn't new by any means this is him ancient doctrine (laughs) reiterating something that we have believed since the foundation of the world essentially it's actually older than that <laughs> we won't get into That's that a little deep but just just the shock and overreaction um has been very eye-opening for me and i think pretty disheartening um seeing a lot of members either you know i i understand not speaking out about it you know you're not required to speak out about something if you don't want to but mm-hmm. um members criticizing um elder holland for this um people that it's been surprising to see how many people uh and it just has been more and more apparent that for whatever reason this is like the central issue this is the one thing that is going to lead so many and has led so many out of the church Mm -hmm. and away from god um in the pursuit ironically in the pursuit for a lot for most people i'd say in the pursuit of compassion, um, they are completely abandoning truth. And, and and in the pursuit of community, I would say, mm-hmm, too. They're that, trying yeah. to replicate Zion elsewhere. And it's like, it doesn't work. Yeah. Usually it doesn't last. Yeah, but just in that pursuit, um, a lot of people are kind of falling for, for this trick that a lot of people will play. Um, because we are in a quote-unquote you know marginalized community and have been treated unfairly in the past that's no arguing with that because of that a lot of members look to us and well not not us because we don't have the right mindset being gay members of the church we don't we don't have the the we're not the right type of gays for this yeah, but sorry we're orthodox oops <laughs> but they'll look for, look to members for gay members for permission to hold beliefs or to be vocal about beliefs because they don't want to offend us. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just so silly. It's it's a ridiculous notion that you can't have an opinion on something unless it directly affects you. Right. Um, I mean, we see that in in all kinds of ways in our society nowadays. You can't have an opinion unless you have blank. Um, Yeah. Which is just not fair. And, And what's sad is like, I mean, I posted a my thoughts on this event on social media and the majority of the people who have reached out is that idea of like, thank you. I didn't, it's almost like they needed permission to agree with Elder Holland. And I'm sitting there going like, it's true. Like, (laughs) of course you're allowed to agree with Elder Holland. You don't need to wait for the gays to agree with him. Like Mm -hmm. it's truth. It's independent of him. He didn't come up with this. Uh, True is true. And so anyway, it's just, it's just like you said it's like it's shocking but it's not but it is it's just like what is going on here why mm-hmm. why do you need permission to have an opinion on this and i think for me the most outrageous overreaction has been the um all of the hate toward his analogy of muskets what and this, this is a, the word is muscle. Yeah, it's like that was the key word that triggered everybody. Yeah, because I mean, 
these analogies of comparing war to standing up for truth are as old as time. Yeah. This is what we do. We are, you know, there was a movie, you might have heard of it, called God's Army back in the day. Um, I don't know if I've seen that. Oh, yeah. I was I was saying that jokingly because I assumed you knew it. Oh, no. What's it about? <laughs> wait, it's called God's Army? It's called God, God, God's Army. It's about missionaries? It's about missionaries. Oh, okay, yeah. wait. I think I... I don't think I've seen it, but I think I know it's older, like 90s or early yeah. 2000s. My, my, my current um, manager helped on it, actually, I think. Okay. But he... Basically, it's, yeah, missionaries and their experience standing up for God's truth. Mm-hmm. The point is, there are, there are these... Um, comparisons everywhere you know being called to arms the lord's battalion yeah and the fight for the human soul yeah that 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 comparison and the jump that a lot of people are making um toward accusing elder holland of calling us to violence or you know using that rhetoric specifically what i've seen is using that specifically for the um like the more hostile members who mm-hmm. are orthodox and a little bit more hostile um using that as kind of like a dog whistle to um to give them permission to be more hostile yeah and like my biggest frustration was like what was the context of his analogy he's referencing church history where saints literally had to defend their property and the temple in particular because of angry violent mobs that shot first and so it's yeah and again once you start fighting it's just it's never clean nobody comes out unwound like it's gonna get messy but again it's just like look at the revel or the analogy in context and in context what he's saying is defend your beliefs when somebody shoots at you a comment about your beliefs an attack against your beliefs shoot back not and and again like people are like the call to violence and i'm like that's incongruent with everything else they've taught <laughs> like look at the patterns he's not saying shoot back with a literal bullet he's saying shoot back as in like say something back testify of truth demonstrate lo- like that's what that me- like and it's obvious to to everyone even those who yeah. are using it to criticize him, I think it's obvious to most oh, yeah. of them. Well, and that—that's the irony and the hypocrisy is they've—they've they've sure shot their muskets at him over mm-hmm. this issue, and it's like you're doing <laughs> the very thing you're accusing him and us of doing. And, <laughs> and it's this pattern that we see of more progressive members of the church pushing boundaries a little bit at a time, like just pushing the boundary a little bit to see how we react, and then we say something, and then they react to us reacting like mm-hmm. us reacting to the insane thing that they want to do is the problem not the insane thing that they want to do yeah and i mean we've talked about this before superlatives in our culture at large of just when we take everything to the extreme we leave normal level-headed people without language to describe what they're witnessing if mm-hmm. everything is an extreme if saying the word musket is violence against somebody we have totally blown things out of proportion and we're not even able to address the actual issue that the apostle was originally referencing because we're using inflammatory speech. We're not even talking about reality anymore at that point. And it's just, it's just that again, this is one example of it, but we've talked about that on this podcast before. And we Mm -hmm. see that in society at large, it's take everything to the extreme and then there's no language to actually describe what's going on. Yeah, and you can use the most extreme language to misrepresent what your ideological opponent is saying um, in order to paint them in the worst possible light instead mm-hmm. of instead of offering them the benefit of the doubt, um, you assume they have bad intentions for in this in this case, you know, um, standing up for traditional family values versus um, LGBTQ, um, not even rights because th- that's separate mm-hmm. rights versus action, um, or or even there's a difference between what is 
truth and doctrine and what's legal in your current society. Yeah. I think that's an important distinction too. Just because gay marriage is legal doesn't mean we think it's right in the eyes of God. Like, right. There's a difference. And there is that nuance. But um, what I've seen time and again um, is the attempt to remove that nuance and to, again, kind of go back to that trap of in order to love me, you have to advocate for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically, I saw that with um, Julie Hanks, I don't know if you're familiar with her. Mm-mm. She, um, a, a much, you know, <laughs> very controversial member of the church who is a, um, I believe a, probably a sex and family, um, counselor. Um, oh, maybe I've heard of her then. I don't know. She basically just, um, pushes boundaries, like I said earlier, and, um, definitely not orthodox in her beliefs. Um, But that was something that she posted with all of this is love is advocacy. Um, So this idea that in order to love me, you have to advocate for what I want you to advocate for. And if you don't, then it's just um, it's just an indicator that you actually hate me. And so it's like it's just flipping. I don't know. Flipping the idea of love. equating two things that are not the same thing. Yeah. Completely equating them. And again, it's just... Not to be like pretentious and self-aggrandizing, but it's just... We'll indulge you. But it's just interesting how we've talked about some of these things on the podcast that became very obvious this week. Mm -hmm. Like, again, we've talked about that on this podcast, too. Of I don't know. It's just funny to me that we've talked about these things. The the truth is there. It's out there. It's I think you'll receive it. As much as I want to call us prophets... Um, not really. I think it's just so evident because it is such a cycle. Mm-hmm. We've well, and I weren't we joking before we recorded again. It's like uh, not shocked, but because it's same message, same ridiculous response to the message. It's just a different apostle this time who messenger. gave the message, and yeah. it's just like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. To me, I've been just here like, before. Yeah, I've, I've this ain't my first rodeo. <laughs> uh, I've heard all these complaints before i've seen all this childish behavior before like yeah and it's just the language change again like they have to control the language language changes before it would you would say i'm offended now you say i'm hurt it means the same thing it's just yeah and your apostasy hurts me like now we're both hurt so can we talk about the issue now that we've established we're both hurt like we both we both believe that the other's beliefs cause harm that's the thing is so that can't be the yeah point it's like it's true on both sides everybody's hurt about this so can we like get over that and talk about the actual issue yeah we're all we talked about last week (laughs) (laughs) exactly full circle once again we're all yeah i i think that that's the most infuriating thing to me um is just the again once again not giving giving those who disagree with you the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. um assuming they're coming from a place like a malicious place yeah that they intend on hurting you or offending you yeah that was not elder holland's intention and and just what a way to stifle conversation by Mm -hmm. assuming the worst in your opponent framing their beliefs in the the worst negative light possible so that you don't have to address their beliefs like head on yeah yep again if i inflame what we're talking about then we're not actually talking about the original issue Mm-hmm. And the original issue was defend doctrine. And and he even explicitly said, I'm talking about this one as an example, but this same pattern applies to other doctrines and other truths that need to be defended too. But like you said, it's just this is such a loud public issue that, yeah, it makes for mm-hmm. an easy analogy when it's such a, Again, it, the church is so clear on their teachings on this. So, like, I don't get why people, again, are so shocked. Read our literature. Just yeah, like it's all out there. Well, and another aspect of this that was a little personal, not only have I met and interacted with Elder Holland, but, like, I went to BYU. And I fell in love with BYU as a teenager. Like, I, I went to volleyball camp and EFY and Education Week. And I, I had a lot of reasons to be on campus as a teenager um, during the summers and so I fell in love with BYU and I was like whoa this is such a cool place it's like the church is here so it's like a safe place to learn and 
I, I went through a little phase in high school where I was like, no, I'm not going to be a Peter Priest student. I'm not going to go to BYU. <laughs> and then I was like, never mind. I, I wanted that refuge of learning worldly truths, like learning facts and science and not like all that stuff from a gospel perspective where doctrine was a given. And I think it's common to go through something like I, I went through something like that where I, like you want to be unique. You don't want to be the mm -hmm. same as everyone. I don't want to go to BYU. <laughs> you want to be part of counterculture, whatever mm -hmm. that is. Ironically, um, counterculture, I would say now is being orthodox and standing up yep. for the gospel standards. Agreed. And that became the trend my whole time at BYU, starting my freshman year, first semester in a writing class, having to defend church doctrine, commandments, and covenants. And it was just like, what? <laughs> like, here of all, like, what? Guys, this, this is pretty basic. Again, this is like basic doctrine that is written everywhere in the church literature. And why do I, and again, it was the teacher that was like, yay, progressive ideas and sensuality and sexuality. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, uh, and at the time I was closeted too and I'm sitting there fuming of like ah like this is such a misrepresentation of our doctrine and it just became the pattern and it was just sad that and it's not the only thing at BYU I do not want to paint that idea no, just no. like Elder Holland did not paint that idea it was not like BYU is a terrible place or whatever if I were to list the number one hardest thing for me at BYU it would be that though having to defend my faith there mm -hmm. which is ironic because I grew up in Las Vegas at a high school full of horny teenagers. <laughs> yeah. And I had to defend my faith more at BYU than I did at high school in Las Vegas, Nevada, Sin City, Babylon. At BYU. It's, that's... Yeah, it's, and I was just like, that's so backwards. And it was just such a turnoff to me because it only got worse over time. And I, and it's so frustrating because I, I feel like um, a lot of members, the more, the more progressive members, kind of want to have their cake and eat it too with this, this whole thing where they they want and cheer any any hint of progressivism um or not even progressive like you can be a progressive member and still keep your covenants mm -hmm. but kind of just that boundary pushing I, within yeah it's like what you were saying you're pushing up against the boundary yeah yeah so they they you know cheer every, every instance of that that happens at or within or around BYU but at the same time kind of scoff at the idea that BYU is becoming this haven for boundary pushing. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, they want to have it both ways. And I, I mean, I experienced something similar to you. Um, I, I can't think of like a specific instance, but my, my general um, experience at BYU was very positive. Um, but I, you know, I was in the film program, um, which is a very, very boundary pushing it would naturally lend itself to that yeah <laughs> just field in general and you know even at byu and so i i did have professors who openly taught and championed things that are contrary to the gospel and what a what a strange world to be in mm -hmm. where you you know you go to byu because you want to have this you want to have this bringing together of your faith and your intellectual learning mm -hmm. um and so just what a weird space to be in where you are having to defend your faith to active lds member per professors at mm -hmm. an institution funded by church members tithing yeah oh and that's the other thing that like makes me pretty passionate about this topic is it involves tithing and yeah i uh I don't know. I I lose a lot of respect for people when they are absolutely in, ungrateful and ignorant to how much the church spends on each student mm -hmm. so that they can have a cheap education. Yeah. Only for them to like throw it back in the church's face and say the church is so this or that and it's mm -hmm. like right when they receive their ah. diploma. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I mean, even during, and I don't know. And again, I don't want to paint this picture of like BYU is a terrible school. It is not like it was, it was a good experience for me. Mm -hmm. And I got to teach at the MTC while I was there. And I, I, I mean, that was like one of the highlights and BYU men's chorus was another like super big highlight. Rosalind Hall, best choir director in the world. Oh my gosh. That was I just like, I knew you were in the highlights. Choir. Oh my gosh. Chorus. Yes. My wonderful aunt Becca, like super encouraged me to do it. She was really into choir and she was like, you got to do it. Just try out. And I was like, ah. and so I tried out best, like 
that was like one of the highlights of my BYU experience was the choir. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, singing true. Let's let's quite, hear let's hear a little uh, piece. No. <laughs> I'm a little rusty. That was like 10 years ago almost. <laughs> Ugh, so that sounds old. so gross to say out loud. Yeah, that was almost yeah. 10 years ago. But but again, BYU is wonderful. And I don't yeah. want to only say something bad about it. Like it was a wonderful experience. And I, I've i loved my experience with also the, the sister schools too as well. Like mm-hmm. I've done dabbled in a little bit of pathways in BYU-Idaho as well. Wonderful experiences. And that was Elder Holland's whole message yeah that was like the majority of his message. That, it it's a you know we're very blessed to have this institution and there are so many like he said there's so much good going on yeah he just needed to correct one thing that he was noticing and that's the piece that everybody mm-hmm. threw a fit about of course and that's the one we see headlines about yeah um just uh i guess draw a parallel or uh, just an experience so i with my job, um, I'm really lucky. I was thinking today just about how how much I enjoy my job and how self-motivated I am in my job because it feels like such an important thing. Mm, I'm the same way. Yeah, I, yeah. I have to feel like I'm involved in something important to be motivated. So, yeah. so I work for an, a private school, um, not funded by the church, but um, definitely parallel to the church and teaches church principles so we are working on um, creating an online curriculum for children um, to be able to have like a hybrid learning of um, online classes where each day they'll they'll take a different or they'll watch a different lesson Mm -hmm. um, on a different subject and then the next day is a different subject and then friday they meet together and have a, a teacher there to kind of bring them together. So it's a really cool idea. And I think it's something very needed in our culture right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anyone is, I don't want to be like too specific, just, I don't know, for anon- anonymity sake a little bit. But if anyone is curious, um, feel free to reach out to me and, and I'll give you some more info. Um, but anyway, so I am a video editor for them. So we're making these um these lessons we're filming these teachers they're they're teachers but also presenters because they know how to be fun and interactive on camera mm-hmm. um so uh, i'm filming these videos they're very they're meant for children you know elementary school children and so they're very just profound and very simple truths um that are you know scholarly but also bring the gospel into it. So mm-hmm. it's really awesome because I, I get to go through these lessons yeah. as and I'm editing. That's kind of the mission of BYU too, no? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> blend, blending church principles with science or history or right. writing or just other truths. Yeah, so it's it's really cool. So um, I'm involved with this and I really love it. Um, but I was editing one today and it was on the topic of music actually. Um, the subject of music and the teacher brought up um, this German composer. He's from the 15th century wow. German Germany. Um, his name was Conrad Paumann um, and he was born blind, um, but he was an, an incredible musician. He was primarily um, an organist. He also played like the lute, the recorder, just a few miscellaneous things, but Wow, playing the piano or the organ blind, though. I know. Because, like, it's one thing to, like, hold an instrument where your hands aren't moving. Mm-hmm. But it's another where, like, an organ or a piano, that, that's impressive. It is. Yeah, anyone with a disability who um, learns how to play an instrument is, I think, very inspiring. Mm-hmm. But um, he just went on to talk about how, you know, he was given this unique challenge in his life. He was born blind, um, but he wanted to be a musician. And so he had two choices. He could either give up and, you know, just just fit in with society or, yeah. or whatever. resign himself to a lesser fate. Uh-huh. Or he could, you know, pursue his dream. And that's what he decided to do. So he he was considered a prodigy. He traveled all over Europe. Um, he was hired by different towns um, to be their like official musician. One of the towns even um, like. For, tried to force him to stay like they hired him and then tried to like make it in this contract where he couldn't leave but he ended up hating it so he left 
<laughs> but yeah, he so he taught music. He was just an inspirational figure and obviously now a historical figure. And that was just so inspiring for me to hear that um, because it's not dissimilar to what we experience. We have, I, I mean, a unique challenge in our life, but we have a, a goal that we want to accomplish. We want to be faithful to the gospel and have an eternal family mm -hmm. um, return to live with God. Yeah. And so we, you know, we have this unique challenge, but we can either decide to just kind of give into it and, and go along with, with what is easy in our culture right now, or we can use it to our advantage maybe, or in spite of it, you know, be become faithful members of the church. And this isn't to toot, our, our own horns, but just to, to draw a comparison and, and show that, you know, we are not exempt from the commandments. We're not exempt from the plan of salvation. Like we've talked about mm -hmm. that is always the adversary's tactic is to convince you that you're the exception, whatever it may be. Yeah. This goes along really well with what we've talked about before of like, where's the center of your identity? If this, musician i'm sorry i don't remember his name conrad, conrad. palman i palman. think is how you say it well if he'd centered his whole identity on i'm blind if that was core if that was central mm -hmm. then that would have limited a lot of his choices that would have changed his perspective on his life and what was possible for himself yeah and and i mean we've made that same comparison of like if your sexuality is the central piece of your identity like things are skewed like that mm -hmm. that would that would l greatly limit your potential. And, um, and it's not a perfect analogy. I know a lot of times people cringe at the idea of comparing your sexuality to a disability. So it's not a perfect like um, apples again, to that, apples comparison. But it's not a new comparison. <laughs> like that, that's an old comparison too. It's, yeah. it's easy to compare a spiritual challenge to a physical one. It's like, oh, well, like watching that person struggle with that physical one. That's what it that's what it looks like to struggle with this inner spiritual struggle mm -hmm. it's more just to to show comparison of differences like mm -hmm. you're not disabled if you're gay we're not disabled but um there's a difference there's a challenge that is atypical mm -hmm. and it's something that and this again isn't to say uh, again of it not being a perfect comparison we're not meant to overcome our sexuality in the sense that we're going to become straight mm -hmm. um I think I'm sure. I mean, I've tried that. I don't know if you have, but back when when, when I was a teenager, yeah, yeah, grew, grew out of that one really fast. It, it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, but the the principles are the same. We um, we have a goal of of an eternal family. We don't have to exempt ourselves from that. Yeah, and there will always be the temptation to like center your identity on something that's just limiting yeah that's just less than it could be mm -hmm. and Child just of god is much more ennobling and empowering and much yeah just much more important of an identity to focus on yeah um just one more comparison from that same lesson um the teacher brought up um having to so the whole lesson was about it's kind of cool it was about improvising improvising hmm. um and how conrad the you know the musician he couldn't write down music and read music so he improvised and every time he played a song, it would be slightly different because he's improvising and essentially writing the music as as he plays. Wow. So the whole thing was about improvising and he finished off the lesson um, talking about um, a story that Elder Worthlin, I believe it was Elder Worthlin that told the story mm. um, when he was little. His mom, so he, he was into football and after losing a game, he complained to his mom and was talking about how upset he was and how sad. And his mom came back with the phrase, come up may and love it. Um, I remember hearing that story. Yeah. yeah. And I, if I'm remembering right, I think, I think my mom had that as like a vinyl lettering on our <laughs> wall. It'd be a good one to have. She, she's very fond of having quotes all around the house um something i love about her but she um anyway so the, this idea of come up may and love it um i think also applies to this as well because you know early on i felt a lot of shame about 
you know, regarding my sexuality. I think that's fairly common. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of shame, a lot of self-hatred, um, a lot of, again, excluding myself from different blessings or different, um, you know, avenues within the gospel. Um, but I, I learned to, to love that aspect about myself and I'm not perfect at it, but I've learned to love myself in in a, <laughs> in a good way, not like you see a lot where, you know, people love themselves a little bit too much mm-hmm. where it drifts into vanity, like Van- anything yeah. it can be taken out of proportion. Exactly. But I've, I've learned to love this, this part of myself and almost use it, um, to my advantage in a lot of ways and understanding that it has made me, I think a little bit different than, um, most men. It's made me more in tune, even though I'm not very good with my emotions. It's just like <laughs> helped me be more in tune with my emotions and just these different character attributes that I think my wife would be better at talking about because I hate talking about myself and <laughs> analyzing myself. So this is why I'm struggling right now. But I love this idea, though. It's the idea of like wielding your experiences and and using them for good. It's yeah. Like either you can let it dogpile on top of you or you can pick it up and use it. Exactly. Um, and I just to kind of yeah finish up here, you had some um some thoughts from oh from education education week Week. so first off i wanted to just say something really quick on what you just said of like same like i mean for the for me as well it was like a private shameful thing but it was the the more truth i learned the more doctrine i learned the the more ridiculous shame felt like the the more shame just slowly drifted away because shame is satan's tactics it's not a godly tactic and it's usually based on mistruth that's why we feel shame is we don't understand something um and i I had like a breakthrough last week at education week one of my favorite classes was on healthy sexuality and it was so nice because it was just doctrine was a given it was Mm -hmm. just from the understanding that chastity is the law of god and and so we could just talk about like what is good healthy sexuality and i had this epiphany of like oh wow like my body is not my enemy like the natural man is the enemy and i always thought in my head like natural man is your body and i realized like no like your 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 spirit can sin too it's not just your body that's capable of sinning um i mean refer to the pre premortal life where <laughs> you know a third part of the host of heaven left you know, spirits can sin and it was just like an epiphany of like oh like my body is not my enemy. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. It just made way more sense. And again, that's like, that's written out there too. But it just <laughs> finally like clicked of like, oh, I don't have to be shameful about this. Like Shame is, is the counterfeit of guilt, which is mm-hmm. a good thing, which is yeah. a driving force. And shame is the debilitating force that Agreed. tries to copy that. Guilt is the pain receptors to your spirit and soul. But um, something else that... Um, from education week last week this is not a class that i went to it was one that my mom went to from a presenter s michael wilcox who's been presenting at education week for years he's written books and done a lot of recorded presentations like amazing love his insights um and in this particular presentation that my mom went to he like the focus was on questions that christ asked in the new testament and my mom noticed like as he was going through them, she noticed this kind of like sequential pattern that it can kind of be as these questions that Christ asked can become kind of like a self check for Mm -hmm. us of like where we're at and what our intentions are. And I I just, it was so relevant to what happened this week. Okay. So Alder Holland gives this speech. First off, listen to it. (laughs) If you haven't even listened to it, I I feel like you should not be talking about it online. Like listen to it first. And then tell me what you think of it. But first listen to it, but then ask yourself these questions. So these questions come from John chapter 6 and John chapter 21. So in John chapter 6, that's when Christ just fed the 5,000. They're following him with the expectation that he's going to continue to physically feed them. And he teaches them about the sacrament and about the atonement that he's about to make. And teaching him about teaching them about redemption comes through him and they are just they're not getting it they're thinking he's going to feed them and they don't understand the doctrine that he's teaching them and 
he knows that the disciples are murmuring in their heart. That's what the scripture says. He knows that they're murmuring. Um, and and the, the quote is, this is a hard saying. Um, and so Christ asks the question, does this offend you? There's question number one, does this offend you? If no, great, then we're fine. We can move on in faith. If it does offend you, then he asks another question and throughout this chapter, kind of, again, these kind of go in sequential order. The next question he asks is, will you also go away? Are you going to leave too? Because it said that a lot of people stopped following him after that when they realized he wasn't going to take care of their temporal needs. Will you also go away? That's the second question. If no, great, we can stay and we can move forward in faith. If yes, you're going to go away, his next question was, to whom shall you go? Who else are you going to go to to receive peace, to receive redemption, to receive the words of eternal life? Like, that's such an interesting third question of to whom, not to where, to mm-hmm. whom, which person are you going to go to now? And I just, it's just an interesting se- sequence. And then um, S. Michael Wilcox moved on in his presentation, but my mom really liked the next question that he highlighted in John 21 because, it, again, it kind of follows this sequence of self-reflection questions and the next one was john chapter 21 peter's on the beach they went fishing after his resurrection and christ calls them back to the beach and asks him do you love me lovest thou me more than these referring to like fishing in his life but my mom thought what what a great question too of like do you love god more than your offense at what was said do you love God more than your sexuality? Do you love God more than fill in the blank? It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. For Peter, it was fishing in his comfortable lifestyle that he returned to. But again, the questions are just so interesting. And they've caused me a lot of like self-reflection this week. This is a hard saying. But his questions to me are, does this offend you? Will you also go away? To whom shall you go? lovest thou me more than these? And I just, I love those questions, especially in the light of what happened. And I would encourage anybody who's struggling with what happened this week to reflect on the questions that Christ asked. Where, who, who else are you going to go to in these times of trouble? He is the source of peace that you can't find anywhere else mm-hmm. in this world. That's a great point and a great parallel. And I, and I hope that... Sky and I don't come across as ignorant to the wrong that can go in the world. Like, again, we we recognize that Elder Holland's speech can be taken to two different extremes. The extreme of, like, screw him, he's a bigot. Or it can be taken to the extreme of, like, violence against gays. Like, yes, it can be taken out of context and misrepresented and misquoted, which Mm -hmm. it has been all week. We're not ignorant to the bad that can happen in both directions. We're not ignorant to bad bishops who've said hurtful things to people and have not been tactful. Or again, we're not we're not ignorant to these stories, but like we're much more focused on like what's the issue at hand, what's the doctrine, what's the truth that needs to be highlighted. That if understood and lived would would fix that, would mm-hmm. would fix all these weird, unfortunate, sad, tragic behaviors that we're seeing. Yeah. It's just and what's the doctrine? What's the issue that we can get to so that the problem will naturally fix itself if we just knew and lived the doctrine. What, yeah, what's the general principle? And then when the general principle is taken and used by extreme people, we can call specific examples of the you know malpractice of that principle. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good word for it. Thank you. Malpractice. I like that. Malpractice, <laughs> malpractice of doctrine. <laughs> Honestly, I was trying to think of a different word and that one just No, I really like out. that. I really like I'll that. I'll pretend it was intentional. Um, but as you were, as you were talking, I was I was thinking so that story, if I'm remembering right, that's the one where Christ asks him three times. Yes. Is that right? And each time Peter seems to be more distraught of like, yeah, you know I do. Yeah, you know I do. Yeah. And I've always, I've always kind of wondered why he asked three times. And I, I, I don't know. I'll have to read the scripture again. But like, if that happened to me, I know I would kind of get irritated mm. like each time. And I, so I, I've always wondered why he asked three times. But it just kind of occurred to me that, um, you know, every time something happens where we have to 
put our offense aside or we have mm-hmm. the opportunity to be offended. It's kind of like that question is being asked again. Do you love me more than, like you said, fill in the blank? Mm-hmm. And that question is going to be asked us, you know, an infinite amount of times in all our life. And we're going to have yeah. to And this isn't the last yes. event that's going to require us to ask ourselves that question. Yeah. Yep. And I was, <laughs> my, my wife um, left to go um, hang out with a friend tonight and just kind of a funny parallel. Um, as she was leaving, she was like, love you. And I said, love you back. And then just kind of jokingly, she like looked at me and she wanted me to repeat it while looking at her basically. And so mm-hmm. I ended up like repeating it three times and each time growing like a little bit frustrated, not really, but <laughs> kind of, but it just occurred to me that, that, you know, when you repeat your answer to something, it becomes more ingrained in you and you kind of have to ask yourself, do I really mean this? The mm-hmm. more you, you answer that question. Um, and so I, I think that's, a good example of that, that scripture. Um, Elder Holland would agree with you. He gave a speech on that interaction between Peter and Christ. And he said yes. the same thing, like with yeah. each invitation, like each question, it got more and more real for Peter. Mm-hmm. It had to mean more each time. Did he really make that point? Similar idea. Yeah. Similar principle. I thought I was being prophetic, but I was just copying something. Um, actually, I think by the definition, yes, you were. If you're <laughs> receiving by revelation what a prophet is taught, that is prophetic. <laughs> it's called a revelation. We'll go with that. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. No, that's kind of the point. That's why I was like over here smiling. I'm like, oh, Elder Holland has talked about this very that's funny. I yeah. Like in the back of my mind, I knew that he had made that he had given a talk on that but mm-hmm. i didn't I, I don't remember the specifics and well and like again the most important things in our church are repeated over and over again yeah like there's a reason that this topic keeps coming up mm-hmm. it's important there's a reason that elder holland used the analogies that he used to stress importance yeah um this is serious this is a, again a bedrock core doctrine of our of of God's church. Mm-hmm. Again, we're not coming up with this stuff. I'm just spitting stuff that I read in the scriptures and that the prophets teach. Like I'm not coming up with this stuff. I'm just rediscovering truth. That's why he calls these men. They're there to represent him. They know him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a testimony of that. They know Jesus Christ and uh, they teach what he would teach if he was here. And so I just, I, again, I just have had these mixed emotions. I just feel bad for people who reject that love and that truth that's offered them when it's plainly given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I was going to make a point, but my mind went blank because what you said was so profound. So maybe we'll just leave Confounded it at Confounded by profundity. That wasn't too bad, was it? What? The episode. <laughs> we weren't too. I actually felt way calm throughout like. I felt really chill. Like, yeah, again, like we got our wiggles out beforehand of like, like rant. And then now it's just like, here it is. Like I felt very calm, peaceful. I don't know the right word. Yeah. Peace. That's probably the best word. Yeah, I think so. And just kind of a comparison of that hatred versus the peace that the gospel brings. And also it's like, again, what was the whole point of us doing this podcast? We just want people to know you don't have to disagree with the apostles on every front regarding this topic in particular. Mm-hmm. Like some of us are actually okay with the doctrine and we like it and we live it. Like we just want you to know, like <laughs> it's just some a, of us are gay and we're okay with the church. Like often the louder ones are more vitriolic and and not seem a, more okay. heroic. But yeah. Again, it's like it's applauded in society today. Like I'm hurt. <gasps> what? When did being hurt and offended become a virtue? Like and, that. Uh, again, like that. Okay, can we set that aside so again we can address the issue? And just the martyr complex I see so often just drives me crazy. And I know, I know that usually probably comes from a place of hurt. So I'm trying to be compassionate, but there's. There's no good ending to you taking on the mar- the martyr. Well, and again, been there. <laughs> been there. I know what that mindset feels like. And um, I knew I was wrong the whole time. 
the whole time. I had no disillusion that I was right. I knew I was wrong. Didn't say it. <laughs> Did not say it out loud. And I had to eat a lot of my words when I wanted to come back to the church. Yeah. I had to swallow a lot of what I had said. Well, I mean, when you're in need of correction, that's the last time. Like, that's what you, what you want to hear least is that you need to change. Yeah, when you, you don't to want to change. Yeah. Don't tell me truth because <laughs> that will require me to change. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel it. I just think it's interesting, too, like Alma the Younger. Of There are four antichrists in the Book of Mormon that are named and three of them Alma the younger directly handles and it's just like why is alma the one confronting these three men or Where are all the other ones well it's just interesting it's like alma the younger used to be one that's <laughs> why he was the one that could call them out on what they were doing he's like i used to do this i used to attack the church and lead people in sin like mm -hmm. i know what your mindset is i know your tactics like you're not going to yeah you're not going to trick me like I don't know. It's just interesting that yep. like Alma handled three of the four because he used to be one. <laughs> yeah, and I I think that's a good place to end it. Just follow, oh, are we still going? Follow the prophet. Follow the prophet. He will lead you to Jesus did, Christ. Did you think we ended the podcast? I didn't know, so I was just kind of like, let's let's keep looking at the camera. <laughs> there was a moment when when I when I was wondering if you thought we ended it or not. That I did. Okay. Yeah, I did. Let's but, let's go ahead and we'll end it now. Ready, so that we know. Okay, okay, ready? Thank you for listening. If you have any feedback, suggestions for a topic, or you want to ask a question that we can answer on the podcast, you can email us at sitdownwithsky at gmail.com. Consider sharing this episode with someone you think would find it helpful. And don't forget to follow us on whatever platform of choice. Mm -hmm.